Welcome to the Evolution of Parenting. I'm Yorona. And I'm Robert. And we're both advanced certified life coaches who met during our certification program. Through our coaching sessions, we connected as parents from two different perspectives. Robert, who's the parent of adult children, and myself, who's the parent of a five-year-old. We both recognize that the role of parenting never stops, but it does change. In fact, it has to change. And if we've developed a strong and healthy relationship with boundaries and a strong sense of autonomy, we will remain with our children forever, long after we're gone. What makes this podcast unique is the parenting perspectives and experiences that each of us bring to the table, as well as our backgrounds in child development and education. Each episode will explore a different topic related to parenting, and we hope to give you, the listener, some insight and takeaways and how you can relate this to your experiences as a parent. So today's topic is a really interesting one, and mm-hmm. sometimes it can get a little heated. Mm-hmm. Today is all about consequences and accountability. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> yep. And I'd say that this one is a good one, not just for our children, but for us as parents too. One of the things that I find to be most important when it comes to consequences and accountability is consistency. I know that it's hard because each day can be a challenge. And so sometimes on a day when you're really tired and you've had an exhausting day at work, or you've just been really mentally challenged, extremely stressed, or something new popped up, the idea of providing your children with natural consequences and making sure they stay accountable for their actions, uh, it takes effort. It really does. Yes, it does. (laughs) And it's like that rally cry that you have to push out of you when you're just on your last nerve. Um, I know that in my previous work, there were days when I would come home and I remember one day in particular, I got stuck in traffic. And um, what's interesting is, so this was before Connor was born. I, I got stuck in traffic and I thought, okay, let me try to make my way around this. I decided to go off-road and not off-road, I mean, <laughs> Not off-roading, <laughs> but, uh, you know, try another path, you know? And I was getting so frustrated. My commute was up to two hours and I was exhausted. And I got so angry that I actually took my fist and I kind of hunched my steering wheel like, oh, I'm so mad. Mm. And all of a sudden this pain blossomed in my chest and I panicked. Oh, no. And I thought I was actually having a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And luckily I was really close to home. So I quickly called my husband on my Bluetooth on the car because I didn't want to wait. And I I was making my way home and I was, I was like, do I pull over? Do I, I didn't really have the ability to pull over where I was. So I was trying to find a a safe place, but I'm like, I was literally like a block from home. So I Mm -hmm. made it to home. I called my husband. I'm like, it was late. It was late on a Friday night too. So I'm like, okay, should I go to an ER, an emergency? I ended up going to emergency center. Thank goodness it wasn't a heart attack. It was what they call costochondritis, which Mm. is actually this thing that happens in the chest wall and whatnot. So, um, but it was a scary moment. And -hmm. it was a scary moment because I thought about this later as when Connor was born, I thought about like, what if something like that had happened and 
I had a son at home and I had mm-hmm. to, what were going to, what was going to happen at that point? Mm-hmm. So the reason I'm saying this is to say that when we get that stressed, everything else sort of flies out the window and we don't really think about the consequences of the action that we take in that moment. And so I try really hard to think about that when I'm teaching Connor about consequences, like Connor, if you hit somebody, what do you think is going to happen? If you throw a toy at somebody, what do you think is going to happen? And I want him to understand what the natural consequences are going to be, not random punishment, but rather natural consequences because, um, and I'm sort of, I'm sort of like precursoring us for the, our next episode, but Mm -hmm. I, I think it's important because they bleed naturally into each other. But when I think about consequences, I think about like the natural things that will take place. Should you take a particular action? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how do you maintain your accountability to that action? So understanding what will happen as a result means that you can become more accountable for your actions and more forward thinking. So the way I do this with Connor is like, let's say he throws a toy. Um, Well, he, the natural consequence is, Connor, you're not being responsible with that toy. You know, unless it's a ball and and it's right. Um, you're not being responsible with that toy. You're throwing it. It may damage something or it may hurt someone. Mm-hmm. I know you're frustrated, but that means that we have to find other outlets for your frustration. And because you threw this toy, that shows me that you're not being responsible with this toy. Therefore, the toy goes away. Mm-hmm. Not like a you throw a toy. I'm going to turn. I'm going to you're not going to get TV. Those aren't related. And therefore. They're just cruelty for the sake of cruelty, punishment for the sake of punishment. Mm -hmm. So I think that what we have to get through to people is this idea that consequences need to have a direct correlation with the action. Mm -hmm. And that's how we maintain accountability for with our kids. That's how they're capable of me. We build that capability of accountability. Yeah, so much, so much in there that's that's relevant and good. And I just want to say very quickly for anybody who's listening. Um, that might have a, a child that's that's not maybe what we call, I guess, neurotypical. We understand that there are different groups listening to this um, and, and how this plays out in your family, in your life might be totally different. So we just want to acknowledge that up front. I'll tell you that as the parent of older kids, one of the dynamics is everybody gets to now comment as an adult on how I parented or how my wife and I parented. And one of the conversations that we have, one of the, it's not a conversation, it's usually a one-way comment from them about that is, you know, the oldest child says, well, you were the strictest on me. And the middle child says, well, yeah, yeah, the rules relaxed. And both of them will team up and accuse us of having absolutely no rules for the third child, the youngest, right? Which is, about, and he, and the youngest is about 10 years younger than the, than the middle kid. Two years between the first two and about 10 between the the last two. So we get this conversation. And to be honest, they're right. They're absolutely right in the way that we have um, changed our approach to this whole thing about consequences and accountability. And one of the dynamics I wanted to throw in up front here, and you mentioned it early on, is consistency. And I'm going to be honest. Because my kids will tell you and, and my, my spouse will say the same thing. 
we have a lot of times not been very consistent in terms of working together. I feel like I've been fairly consistent in my approach. My wife feels like she's very consistent in her approach. But in terms of approaching it together, we've had a lot of conflict over the years in terms of how to handle this. For example, um, and I'm going to use the youngest child in this particular case. Hey, you know, son, why don't you do X? Son agrees to do X. X may or may not happen in a time frame that my wife wants. So there's a reaction there. I'm thinking like, well, you, we didn't put a time frame on it. We didn't specify anything. So as long as it gets done, it's not a big deal. And after a while, my wife in her frustration might go and just do X, right? Just get it done. Take the garbage out or whatever, because she just wants to see it done. And there wasn't any kind of like natural agreement between her and my son about when it should be done. So I'm just sitting like, okay, he'll, we ask him to do it. He'll do it when he gets to it, right? And my wife, you know, she has a time frame in mind and we'll just go ahead and do it. Well, that takes away, it takes away from uh, my son, the accountability yeah. for that. Right. And, and I'm, and I'm not, trust me, I'm not setting her up to be the fall guy because I've got, you know, stuff on my side of it. I'm probably a little bit too on that. Well, you know, it'll get done kind of whenever kind of side. So, whereas Holly might be more, looking at the accountability piece of it, I kind of look at it more the consequence side of it, you know, because I think like, what's the consequence of it not taking the garbage out? I got to do it, right? It's not a big deal kind of thing. So, and I say all of that to bring it back to this point is developing consistency as partners in raising a child is really, really difficult if you don't take time to really talk about it and allow each other the space to, to do and be what they want. Yeah. Holly was raised a certain way. I was raised a different way. And we have to merge those two Yeah, because neither way that we were raised is the right way. And so I might have some pretty strong feelings about her ideas about accountability. She might have some pretty strong feelings about my ideas of consequences. And if we don't take time to harmonize that, you know, who really gets stuck? The kid. Yeah. Right. Because at the end of the day, I'm an adult. She's an adult. We do our things. We're like, we're, we're there, but we're missing that opportunity to really get across to, especially uh, our youngest son who we had, you know, by himself for a while, the things that we really want to try to get across. Right. You know, you make a really good point. And so I would definitely say that parenting really tests the bonds and the boundaries of your relationship. If you Absolutely. come from different worlds and you haven't already preset and pre-planned and you can't necessarily know, and here's the reason why you can't necessarily know how you're going to deal with it when that happens, because again, things can be totally, you can have, be having a really stressful day. You can be mm -hmm. having a really, uh, a big problem. You could be dealing with something you never imagined you need to deal with, like lo losing a job or a partner being severely ill or something mm -hmm. of that nature. So you cannot plan for every possibility. It's there are infinite possibilities, right. you know? Right. Um, so as a result, you can plan for some base things, but you can't plan for the rest. And every single day, something may change the way you want to address mm -hmm. those things. Also your own personal, <clears throat> excuse me, 
your own personal attitude about things may change. You were mentioning before about your kids and how they argue over your, you were more lax with the youngest (laughs) because your attitude evolved and changed as you saw what worked, what didn't work and so on. We are as parents always behind the eight ball. We are always behind there because we don't know the child we're going to get their personality, their possible, you know, their behaviors, their ingrained, um, you know, uh, mental health there all of those things that are already baked into their dna and we do know that 40 to 60 percent is baked in so but we don't know what we're getting with so we're learning our child and they're changing constantly Mm -hmm. so it's a vicious cycle of that so yes having that marriage of working together to have those those things balanced is important that said Children are very capable of adaptation. So what will happen is they will learn the patterns of one parent and then Mm -hmm. they will learn the patterns of another parent Mm -hmm. and they will respond differently per pattern. And again, and I really love that you went to the, you know, the neuro neurodiverse community too, because this changes with the neurodiverse aspect. Again, something we can't necessarily anticipate. Right. Sometimes we can if we know ahead of time. But even that said, if you have a child with Down syndrome, you don't know what their particular medical condition is going to involve. They may be a very mm-hmm. high functioning. They may have a lot of medical support needs. They may, you know, there may there may be challenges where they are dual diagnoses. So you don't know. Um And so what I would say is having that open communication and the ability to constantly talk about it is important. That said, I'm going to be fully honest here. My husband and I definitely have different ways and we do talk about it. And when we find the, you know, we try to make time to really talk about it without judgment, but it's still hard to make a change to your natural behaviors, your your automated behaviors that you're going to do. So I may, and one time Carl said this to Connor, because I was getting really upset about something that Connor was doing. And I said, do you want me to scream? Because I don't want to. And Carl said to Connor, it's hard to get mommy to scream. So <laughs> that means things are really bad. Wow. And I and I I realized, well, that's a lot of pressure that we put on him in that moment. And it was almost like a threat. And I didn't love I, I was just really upset about it afterwards. And I'm like, listen, I don't want you to be f- afraid of me. I never want you to, you know, I told Connor this later. Um, but I do want you to respect me. And right. I do want you to understand that we live in a house together. That means all of us have to be together in this house. We all mm-hmm. have to be respectful of each other. If we're asking for respect from you, we're also in charge of giving you respect. And I was thinking about this from what you said before, going back to your story about the garbage and stuff like that. One of the ways we can counteract those issues, like those particular, when it comes to household responsibilities and stuff like that with our children, as they get older and giving them more responsibilities and stuff is to give them time frames. not just mm-hmm. say it's your responsibility to take out the garbage, but it's your responsibility to take out the garbage by 7 PM tonight, you know, yeah. Be- before yeah. you head upstairs, because if you know your kid really well, you may know that by 7 PM they've checked out and they're right. already in their room and trying to relax and, you know, so it's 
you make a plan like that, that has a time frame around it, it becomes more tangible. It's not Absolutely. just, this is your responsibility now figure out how to do it. Giving them more tangible, concrete steps provides them the ability to have a structured plan for how to do it. Right. And it's not, it's not like we want everybody to, it's not, it doesn't devolve to a contractual arrangement every time everybody's signing on the bottom line, but right, right, specificity right. helps, right? Yeah. Because that's, that's what the kid understands. Like if I have to do something, if you're not telling me a time or giving me some framework, you're just basically wanting to get it done whenever I work it into my own life. And you know what? I got this going on. I got that game I'm playing. I got that responsibility for school and I got that activity, whatever. Right. It may not fit into my timeline for a week. <laughs> and and I'm going to tell you something too. This is really funny. Um, but responsibility and accountability are things that the more in charge the child becomes of it, meaning the more they make the dynamics about how they plan for that activity or that responsibility to stay accountable to it, the more they're going to do it. So yes. what I mean by that is this, you sit down with them and rather than say, you have to do this by this time, you say, this is a responsibility. The garbage goes out every Monday night and every Thursday night in our house. Mm -hmm. It has to be out in order for the garbage to pick up the following mornings. So that said, what time do you think it would best work into your time of the evening before to get that out. We know it has to get out the evening before. Now, mm -hmm. what do you think would work for you? Okay, well, when I come home, I really want uh, to relax for a little bit and then get started on my homework and then we'll have dinner and then I'll do my final chores before I head up for bed. Mm -hmm. Okay, what's what's the time frame on that? This is the time I need. I want an hour to relax when I get home and then I'll need an hour for homework and then we usually have dinner at this time so then I'll get those chores done in the hour before I go to bed. Yeah. Okay, great. So now you've set a plan in action for schedule. What would also really help is you learn your child's learning mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And that means that if they're a visual cue person, maybe they need a visual chart. If they're an auditory learner, maybe they need, uh, if you guys, if you have Alexa in our in your house, like we do, um, maybe they need Alexa to say, hey, the garbage has to go out, um, you know, at, at like a reminder, a sound reminder or an alarm that they set on their right. phone, right? So uh, it's it's those things. When I, and, and I want to tell you a really funny story. When I was 11, I got a little spiral notebook and I started writing out my following days of how my day would go. I didn't really write times yet. I was like, you know, I was 11, but I started doing that. And I only found out as an adult. So I, I had a, a, a psychiatrist, psychologist, um, uh, diagnosed me with ADHD with, with definite markers for ADHD, but we were talking about it in the craziest way, it came up in the craziest way because she had thought that I had already had my diagnosis. This was mm. a new therapist I was working with. And we were talking about that thing about what I did when I was young and how it, I maintained that it got more complex. I got a whole bind, a whole, uh, you know, calendar book. And then, then you know, and, writing, <laughs> and, and, and then I converted to my phone calendar and everything mm. is in my phone calendar of what I do throughout every single given day. And even some things that people would be like, oh, seriously, you really need a reminder for that. 
I like to see it visually and, and have my reminders pop up. That's what I like. That's what works for me. And she said to me, oh, well, you know, it makes sense that you started doing that when you were young with your ADHD and everything like that. It was a really great coping mechanism for you to build in. And I was mm -hmm. like, my what? Because nobody had ever diagnosed me before. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And she okay. didn't realize that. She thought that I had ha had a diagnosis. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so that's how I learned <laughs> that I okay. had a diagnosis. Okay. But it's very interesting because we build maladaptive and adaptive coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. so when it comes to accountability and responsibility, the way we build our coping mechanisms and the way we build our strategies around staying accountable, some can be maladaptive, which is unhealthy, and some can be adaptive, which are it's really a healthy manner. I, mm -hmm. I found a really healthy way, a healthy outlet for that. Um, and so, you know, to go back to that in with accountability, I think that the when we talk about consequences and accountability, we're talking about the accountability needs to come first, right? And then the consequences are the things that happen as a result of not being accountable mm -hmm. for your actions. So one thing I've noticed recently, Connor is like, why do I have to pick up my dishes and put them in the sink and da 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 like, you know? That just takes my time away. And he's been all about yeah. this time. You know, there's not enough time to do that. I don't <laughs> want to wash my hands. So there's not enough time. And I'm like, there's always time. And we'll, I'll kind of do a, a time pause. Mm -hmm. This is your time pause. <laughs> so, yeah. and because he thinks it takes longer than it does, because he's right. not yet in the place of living where he's time sensitive, you know? Right. So it's, it's very interesting, but um, I do want to bring consequences back in and I want to hear about like the way you dealt with consequences mm -hmm. with your kids when they were younger. It's interesting. I, I must, I'll preface that by saying that um, we can do a really good job of helping our kids understand consequences and forget about the accountability piece. These two pieces don't automatically go together, Right. We can have, my child can say, oh, here's a natural consequence and not taking any accountability for it. And what I've discovered with this 12-year gap between the oldest and the youngest is society changes. Mm. And this is huge for parents. The things that I had to think about with my older son in particular, when he went off to college and joined the fraternity, compared to my younger son with that 10-year gap, are very different. It's a different world yeah. now between those. My older son, like he went to college ahead of kind of the Me Too kind of thing that evolved in our culture. So the behaviors that were, sorry, let me say it this way, the consequences that might have come in relation to his behaviors when he was in college are very, very different and the consequences that count could come to my younger son if he were to exhibit the exact same behaviors. Mm, that's Not true. because the behaviors have changed, but because the consequences, the way our society looks at those behaviors has changed. So as a parent, this can be extremely intimidating to try to keep up with. Because you can say, well, the way I raised my, you know, my, my first son was like this, and that seemed to turn out okay. 
and you do exactly the same thing. You could have exactly the same kind of uh, response from my younger son. And yet because society has changed, so to have the consequences, and I didn't even think about that, and I didn't necessarily prepare it. Mm. So it was interesting when they were growing up, um, consequences were, for me, if I just look the way I did it, consequences had more to do with what did you learn? It was more, I, I wanted them to tell me what they think they learned. What did they think that happened? What did they think um, was the consequence in that moment? If you did X, okay, and what do you think the effect that had? I wanted them to tell me. I was tried to be very careful about imposing my own sense of what the consequences should be as opposed to what they, what was actually real. Right. Okay. Right. So let's say, um, you know, they were, think of a story, uh, my son was played basketball and there were times when, you know, he would have time on the court and, you know, the coach would want to do certain things and the, he, you know, he had to interact with the coach. And a lot of times that was, uh, that could be a struggle between the two of them. And rather than me saying, because I also knew his coach, I was you know, teaching college colleague with the coach so rather than me saying like well when you did this that had that effect i would rather say hey when you did this what effect do you think it had uh -huh. so instead of me stepping in and trying to kind of be the the advocate or not the advocate but the represent the coach's perspective here like how the coach would have felt like i'm standing in and i would have felt like this so surely the coach would have felt like this and that's the consequence. It was important for me to try to get them to articulate what they thought happened or to go to the coach themselves and say, like, what do you, you know, what did the coach tell you the consequence was? Or what did you experience as a consequence right. as opposed to me articulating what the consequence was? And then there was, you know, there's the accountability pieces of like, yeah, what, what did the coach put in place? What was the, what was the natural, you know, did you get to play the next game or whatever, 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 you know, I'm, I'm not going to, Right. Does it, the details are, are less relevant than the dynamic. Um, now, Holly was a little bit different in her approach. She was more of the if, if X, then Y, or if not X, <laughs> then not Y. You know, if you don't do this and you don't get to do that or whatever. She was a little bit more like that. I didn't. And that's where we kind of sometimes had some friction because we kind of felt like the way the consequences played out should have played out differently. Ah, okay. Got it. I think, you know, the problem is it's, it is very uniquely individual for how we see it based on how we were raised, based on how, what, what may or may not have occurred in our past. And I think that when, one of the things that I try to teach Connor in this day and age, because he's five. So what I find, you know, what, what you said about society being so different is it's true. And yet we're still finding a very hard time finding a balance. Yeah. yeah. And and um, so society has changed, but I feel like we course corrected to a place where people walk on eggshells. Mm -hmm. now, yeah. Right. Whereas before they stomped all over those eggshells. Now they're walk now they're walking <laughs> carefully and lightly trying not to break a single one. Right. When nobody's talking about how do we just how do we remove the eggshells? 
you know, so, so we don't have to keep walking this way. Um, we shouldn't have, there shouldn't be damage on one side or the other. It should be mm-hmm. a balance. I, I always come back to balance. There has to be a way to balance. There can't be an all or nothing approach. Right. You know, um, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned college and, you know, when the kids get to college, it's, they have a whole new world, right. And, and consequences and accountability are such a massive thing. Mm-hmm. What I've seen happen is parents who will not hold any consequences and not hold mm-hmm. their kids accountable for anything at home. Right. And then suddenly they turn 18 and they're like, now you should be able to do it for yourself. Yeah. A, a, a what? A what? Yeah. You weren't working with them this entire time to get them to that place. What right. makes you think they're suddenly just going to take over from observation of you? It yeah. doesn't happen like that. And so one of the resistance mechanisms that I'm having with Connor now is like, you know, the whole um, when it comes to dinner time, you know, cooking is my responsibility. That's, you know, garbage and stuff like that. And vacuuming is Carl's cooking is my responsibility. But I also have a tendency to serve everybody. And so one of the things that I've made note of is like, it's important for everybody to clean up in the, after the, in the aftermath. I think that's perfectly acceptable to, yes, of course. to clean up, to be a part of the cleanup. And now that Connor's five, he's perfectly capable of, of doing cleanup. Mm-hmm. But is it fun? No, it's not fun. Oh, never. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you know, so again, it takes away his time from fun time and it's like, well, okay. But if I want to teach him about accountability and responsibility, so that he can eventually do it for himself. The first thing I need to do is step onto the platform of saying, this is something you're going to eventually be responsible for yourself. Yeah. So I want you to learn it now. So it becomes a part of what you do and not a, so, so much of a difficulty that why bother, you know? Yeah. You're, yeah. And I did think of a story that, um, that I, I think helps, helps us relate this a little bit because I do talk about, you know, the, the, friction that my wife and I had, but there are many times we were also very aligned. Um, so my youngest son learned how to drive, yeah. took lessons, got his license. And in part of that, he would drive with his mom on a certain stretch of road close to our house. And every time she was there, she would point out, there is a cop that sits right here a lot. Yeah. Okay. FYI, right. Just FYI. And it's a 45 mile an hour speed limit. So one day he calls and he says, um, dad, don't be mad, um, but I just got pulled over. Hmm. My first instinct, what'd you learn from that? But we'll deal with that in a minute. So he gets a ticket. He's doing 60. And the, the whole story is a little bit more. He wasn't just doing it arbitrarily. He was taking some food to a friend and he didn't want me to be mad because our food was late getting back. Whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter. He got a ticket. So it would have been super easy, go online, pay the ticket, all done. Okay. A lot of choices here. I could have paid the ticket. We could have paid the ticket online. I could have made him pay for the ticket. But we chose to to wait and take him to traffic court. Because I told him, I said, you're going to go to court, not because I'm punishing you, but because I want you to feel the full brunt of this consequences, what this could really feel like if you did something worse and had to go to court. So his mom takes him to court. I'm, I'm busy. His mom takes him to court and there's a little bit of contrast here. So there's several kids, you know, his age, there's kind of a common thing. 
um, there's a kid that gets up before him and um, is telling, you know, talking to the judge and interacting with the judge. And, you know, his mom's kind of coaching from the back. Hey, ask him if he can reduce the speed or ask him about taking those points off, you know, kind of coaching the kid. And, but also the mom's relating to the judge. Right. Oh. And so the judge just said, you know, yeah, OK, let's reduce it to this. Here's your penalty. Kid says, you know, goes on, pays the price. My son gets up and he's having the conversation with the judge says, you know, were you doing this? Yeah. Were you doing 60 in the 45? Yeah. Um, do you have anything that you want to ask me? My son's, um, no, not really. And my wife's sitting back behind him going, ask him to reduce the speed. But she's trying not to interfere. She's trying not to intervene. She's like, oh, yeah. and the judge asked him again, like, are you sure there's nothing that you really want to ask me? And no, I was doing 60 and, and just, so, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to reduce this, <laughs> but it was kind of funny because, you know, Jason was just ready to accept whatever. Right. And the judge is trying to lead him to like, Hey, do you really want me to reduce this, you know, reduce points on your license, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Um, and my wife sitting in the background, just like, oh, Jason, please ask him about because, <laughs> you know, we're looking at the insurance rates and whatever. But it was one of those things where it was, you know, one of those moments where we were definitely aligned. Yeah. And and he understood. Yeah. He he got it. He he knows fully well what the potential consequence of getting a speeding ticket can be now. Um, and and at the same time, that was a level of accountability. Yeah. Right, standing before a judge taking accountability for what he did. So when we talk to him now um, about, you know, speeding or interacting in traffic or whatever, he gets it. He fully understands a, what the consequences could be and what accountability looks like. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting too is what might've been a little even more impactful would have been having somebody who was in court, you know, having sped and maybe even done some damage or something of that nature, you know, because then he would have gotten to hear firsthand, you know, a, a graver situation that might mm -hmm. have resulted in something worse. Because I think that it's important in those contexts, but understanding the nuanced perspective of like the whole of what could have potentially happened makes the weight of it a little bit more extreme and yeah. or a little bit more emotionally consequential yeah. so uh, i when i was in high school i i did not drink alcohol um but and i think i explained this to you mm -hmm. i had a friend who who died from alcohol poisoning and it made a great impact on me so it took me a really long time to, you know, and I think that we'll, we'll finish up with this, but it took me a really long time to even get comfortable with the idea of like drinking and stuff like that, because mm -hmm. I had a very uh, impactful, you know, consequence of losing a friend. And I think that this is what it really comes down to. I, at the heart of it all is this, the, the minor consequences, the minor accountability, the minor things have, they pile up and they come to the larger, bigger picture of accountability mm -hmm. and responsibility and consequences being this much broader perspective of taking ownership of your life 
And Mm -hmm. that is what we're trying to teach our children to the best of our ability, taking ownership and responsibility for your life and being accountable for your actions means that you lessen the potential of really painfully negative consequences Mm -hmm. that may happen as a result of your actions. So, you know, it's a hard note to leave it on, but I think it's Mm -hmm. important that this is what it builds to because parents don't often see that when they're really zoomed into the little consequences of, oh, so my son comes up to me and, you know, has I have no personal space. Um, so what? It's not a big deal. I'm fine with him, you know, mm-hmm. snugging all over me and having no personal space and nav- having no privacy in the back, you know, <laughs> but that leads to him potentially stomping over other people's boundaries and the consequences of that being that somebody gets hurt. So that's the thing. It it leads there. So we have to be keeping those things in mind that what we're teaching them is life consequences, life accountability. Yeah. For when we're not here, they should be capable of doing these things and mastering these things for themselves. And they're going to make mistakes. We all do. But that's a great finishing point just to realize that, you know, the small consequences when they're young become big consequences when they're older. Exactly. Everything scales up. Everything Everything scales scales up. up. Exactly. So, and on that note, uh, we do wish you a happy parenting, people. And may the evolution of your parenting skills be ever in your favor. Absolutely.